the nation station thanks radio Coming up next, personalities, profiles, past times, past times, points of view and possibilities. Perspective, and on the programme this week... I am worried that the priorities of this department are not benefiting everybody, and also students are being forced to choose to continue their studies on Ireland, and they're doing so for reasons of financial necessity and not for academic choice. I would suggest to the Education Minister that while we eagerly await the outcome of the fundamental review into healthcare, our highest spending department, would he consider a fundamental review of the Education Department might now be timely? GARF MHK Daphne Kane called for a fundamental review of the Department of Education, Sport and Culture following the 2019 Manx budget. Now the department wants your views as it drafts the new Education Bill. I'll be right back after this. Vasta Mai, good afternoon and welcome to the fourth weekly episode of Perspective, your view of the world we live in on the Isle of Man of the 21st century. I'm Dolan Mercer, here with you until two o'clock. Last week we were joined by the man of the moment, Treasury Minister Alfred Cannon, to reflect on the 2019 Manx budget. We were also joined by representative of the third sector, David Gorn, and university student Catherine Sharman, who's been pushing for a review of the current funding model for Manx students studying off-island. Following the announcement, £1.5 million had been ring-fenced to help support students in higher education in the UK. Ms Sharman said that was a good start. The proposed budget, I think, is a really good start. It's the first kind of glimmer of the government really taking on board um, student wishes and student desires and really addressing this issue of how can we make um, the Alaman a better place for graduates to come home to. I think there is a real danger with um, the proposed um, £1.5 million. I think there's a danger that this could be viewed as almost a band-aid solution to the problem that is the student award system, the student funding over here. And I think um, the national insurance holiday idea, I think that's a great idea. You know, it's the first thing that's really been done to kind of give graduates a benefit of being home but I think the danger of that as well is that you know it's for um, employees who move move over and students there's it's not targeted just at students and graduates and I think that if the Alaman government want to make um, our island a more inclusive and caring society we need to really kind of focus on graduates because we are a niche um aspect of the population and not just a tag on to other employees. Catherine Sharman there speaking on last week's Perspective programme. This week we're taking a more in-depth look at education on the Isle of Man. Unfortunately Minister Graeme Crugeen couldn't make it on this occasion but we do have departmental representation with us as we're joined in the studio uh, by political members Laurie Hooper and Anne Corlett. Good afternoon both. Um, We're also joined by MHK's Julie Edge and Daphne Kane, both of whom have taken uh, an active interest in education in in recent months. Good afternoon. Hi there. Um, as we heard at the top of the programme, in the aftermath of the 2019 Manx budget, Mrs Kane made calls for a fundamental review of the department, saying she's worried that the priorities of this department are not benefiting everybody and that students are making decisions based on financial necessity, not academic choice. Those calls appear to come as something of a surprise to Education Minister Graham Crugeen, who gave this reaction to Tim Glover. 
I, I don't know. She she was very unhappy about the co-location of St Thomas's up to uh, Valley Gilt, which uh, I think Manx Radio went up there, and it, it's it's been very successful so far. Um, and she hasn't acknowledged what a, a, a good result that was. You know, we're looking at improving children's education. Um, the old St Thomas's School, you know, it was deemed unfit, you know, probably a hundred years ago. And something needed to be done. And, you know, for the children's and, and the staff's benefit, you know, we we were looking at different things to do. And Valagilt has worked out really well. Both head teachers are, are really pleased the way it's going. There were other topics, weren't there? School lead tables has been a big one for her. Also, it's been about what are you doing for the low and middle income families and their pupils yes well it's I, I don't know where she's getting her information from because you know the, the new head of Ofsted has actually changed you know their thoughts about these league tables they're moving away from league tables in, in England now and you know they're, they're sort of following you know what we're doing uh, we have professional educationalists come over to the island. We, you know, we've had uh, a group of Spanish uh, head teachers come over here who think we have a, a very good education system. Uh, we have uh, renowned authors who've been over here and said, you know, this is a sort of education system that other jurisdictions should follow. So why is she wanting a review? I don't know. Um, she obviously clearly sees that there's something wrong with the department. I, I I don't know what it is, whether it's just a case of, well, let's go and spend a lot more money. And it was coming out again today that, you know, this money has to come from somewhere. Something will have to give to, to fund these sort of reviews. Um, You've got 1.5 million more, haven't you, in the budget? We have. And, and then this is the thing, sort of what are we doing to help the, the low and middle incomes regarding um, higher education? Well, the Treasury Minister had just announced £1.5 million to help those families. And What's it going to be used for, though? Well, it's it's going to be used towards maintenance grants. So so for those people on low incomes, you know, you know, it's expensive to send your children over to university. We don't have a loan system like they have in, in uh, England. So what we'll be doing is we'll be uh, increasing the grant so we've got to get that finalised and brought before April Timmel. So those are the sort of families that we've already said that we're looking to help. You don't feel then that a review is necessary? I don't. I think, you know, from, from my time in the department, I consider we've done quite a lot. You know, the members of the department are very helpful. You know, we're, they're working hard in the department. You know, in two and a half years, uh, we've done, we're, we're starting a strategic needs assessment on nought to four-year-olds. We've increased the amount of preschool vouchers. We've brought in regulations inspections. We've brought quality assurance into preschools. Um, and there's going to be, there's even more training for those people in preschools, which has been really welcomed. Uh, we're doing a review of higher education consolidation, how we can encourage more students to study over here and bring more people over here. That was Minister Graham Crajean there speaking with Tim Glover. Um, to come to you first then, Mrs Kane, if I may, um, I'm not sure the Minister actually answered the question at the end um, whether or not he felt a review is necessary. Um, is this something you've spoken with him about since? 
No, I, I haven't really discussed it with the minister. He doesn't seem to want to talk to me. Um, I think I'm very grateful, though. I do have a, a meeting arranged with the chief executive to discuss um, the uh, possibility of... I think there's two strands where I'm coming from. And I also think I think I take issue with the minister saying that Ofsted's following what the Alamans doing. I think Ofsted is very different. And in the calls for a review, it's principally, initially, perhaps a review of the education improvement services where the key area is for assessment is that being really effective in terms of improving standards for the education across the island of our schools? Is it helpful that the same people, the same team at the centre are both the support officers for schools and then the inspection regime um, and some outside external validation um, in terms of how effective that is as a, an assessment, quality assessment, would be welcome. But also, I think my main um, call for a fundamental review of the department, probably not commissioned by the department, but one for Timwald or perhaps for Treasury, but to look at what's the department for? How is it structured? I mean, particularly when we get to the... Um, the new education bill, there hasn't really been any debate, we're, no debate on the direction of travel of education, how it's determined. As far as I'm aware, no education professionals have had um, time to digest this, to have input into it, and I find that completely baffling. Um, but this gives this takes, I think, all the power off head teachers and gives it to the department at the centre. And we're talking if they have complete power over all aspects of education without the checks and balances that were in there previously, the department even appoints governors and has them to a meeting annually to, de to, to tell them the strategic direction of the department. I think this bill needs withdrawing. Let's have the debate or a, a fundamental review of education and its structure. And then we can get to the point of what, what do we want the education department to deliver for our children or actually do we want the education head teachers to remain to have that autonomy over their schools getting the best outcomes they can for their children without having the battle with the department at the centre and we know that there there, there is subtly under the surface um, apparent differences um, one I get a lot of teachers who are, are unable or feel unable to talk to me openly because that's frowned upon that doesn't say that's a very open democratic process of discussion discussion and debate about something that affects across the island. But the, the other thing is, um, there's a freedom of information request, I think recently published, on the maths GCSE and the IGCSE and, and how that has impacted. And if reading the correspondence on that, and I haven't had a chance to read it all yet, um, that suggests to me that the there is a separation, there is a feeling of them and us, and that the department, perhaps at the centre, is not the most supportive structure that could be to benefit the um, schools. The minister says he didn't know where you were getting your information from and you're of course a former children's champion but where else uh, does this sort of area of interest come from? It comes from me being a parent. I have a child in primary school and one in secondary school in state education on the island. Um, the hangover from being children's champion and the reason I resigned was because of the narrowing of the remit of that role. And while there's, it's, it's welcome to have a, a clear focus on looked after children and vulnerable children, there is so much um, so many aspects of, of the wider provision of children's education and services that came to me that would then be out of remit that I couldn't just shrug that off and ignore it. So the provision of speech therapy, the lack of access, speech and language therapy, the um, mental health uh, provision on the island at the minute, particularly for young people. And most importantly now, with this 
complete culture shift to a North Korea Orwellian type of regime with the education bill. And I think we need to have a discussion. Is this is this the direction of travel that we want for our education system? Uh, to bring you in, Julie Edge, if I may, um, you've made calls, also made calls for sort of closer scrutiny of the department in the past. Um, is this a, a view you still hold? Yes, very much so. Um, and actually, I'm quite surprised, really, that um, a fundamental review hasn't taken place prior to doing all this um, w extensive work on the education bill. Um, obviously, we all know the last review of the department was done in 2002. That was called for by the then minister. He, you know, the letter that was issued to Timwell members this week. My belief that although we can be proud of having a good standard of education in the island, it could be better. My conviction that independent, impartial scrutiny of any organisation will provide it with valuable pointers for its future development. And I still believe that that is the case today. Um, obviously, I, you know, I had also had a question in this week with regards to the finances for the schools. And Ofsted recommended um, spend on salaries for schools is between 80 and 85 percent. We only have one school achieving that, and that's the Dune School, 76 percent. Manor Parks, uh, sorry, in Manor Parks, 84 and Castle Russians, 81. Sorry, there's three. Laxey was 107 percent. There's something fundamentally wrong with the system. It could be funding that's that's incorrect. But I feel that to bring forward an education bill that the schools have not had any involvement in prior to it actually when, when it was being drafted, which would have been so beneficial to this bill, would would have helped. I think an independent review. Um, I, you know, uh, the minister that, that I'm talking about here was 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 now the president, and um, there hasn't been there's been progress since the last time. I also put a question in last year about uh, the Education Improvement Service received a letter back from the director of education. School improvement advisors cost the Isle of Man £341,000 per year. He said if we were to do Ofsted inspections to English. It, it, for an English school, it's currently £7,200. That would be the equivalent of 266000 So actually, that's cost-effective in comparison to have a school improvements service. Now, I know they perhaps do some extra services on the island, but what, what's I don't understand what they're so fundamentally against having an external in, um, assessment. Chief Minister asked him a question with regards to how many external reviews have been done in the last, since 2014-18. 335 education hasn't been done why not and before moving into politics um you worked in a school of course um does that change your stance on education do you think um well one of the reasons i went into politics was obviously my exp previous experience um both both at school i uh, worked in the mea at local authority um and i think I had concerns at the time. I was getting very frustrated with some of the elements. And you can only do so much when you're inside the system. And I, I saw it as an opportunity that uh, rather than sit back, get frustrated, put yourself up there, put yourself forward, and then you can make the try and make the changes from inside. Um, obviously, um, it you know a lot of the time you're asking questions of the education minister and you don't particularly get very clear answers so um, it seems to be there's constant block i do have real concerns that there's not a lot of progress being made on policy laurie hooper and Anne call at mhk's join us on behalf of the department Thanks very um, much. mr hooper there was an interesting response from yourself there as, as um, mrs kane was 
giving her. I, I don't know what education bill Mrs. Kane's been reading, but it's definitely not the one that we've published a consultation document on. Uh, department wanting to appoint governors. Four of the governors in every school will be elected by parents, by staff, by students in the secondary school. We're proposing a pupil governor on every school. Uh, I've no idea where this departmental appointment comes from. Uh, it's be a significant step away from the Education Council approach at the moment, where governors are appointed by the department to all the schools. So I, I'm not sure how you can equate uh, having directly elected governors with department is appointing them. That That's absolute uh, poppycock, quite frankly. Uh, I, I have no idea where you get this idea of the department wanting to take more control of head teachers. That, that That's absolute nonsense. There's nothing changing in the education bill whatsoever. The, the difference that is happening is the department is proposing to place in statute much clearer the way that it regulates and inspects the schools. Uh, which again is just really firstly about improving transparency and secondly about improving the process uh, and those comments about no engagement we, we sat in a meeting myself and Ms Caller sat in a meeting last week with one of the unions who came over to talk to us face to face last about week, but the, the, the bill, bill has been drafted for well over a year mm. what about input when it was coming in well, well, there was consultation. Um, there has been plenty of con. I mean, let, let me just let me just keep talking about some of the other issues that have been raised here. I mean, there's been talk just there about uh, our schools aren't spending the right amount of money on staff. If you look at that answer, what Ms Edge failed to point out was that actually all of our schools, apart from the ones in that small bracket, actually spend over ninety percent of their salaries on staff. Budgets. That was exactly my and point. Actually, Ofsted recommend eighty to eighty-five percent. But so Ofsted, Ofsted is, I'm sorry, wrong. Julie, but Ofsted runs so. a UK education system. They are results oriented. They are a very narrow curriculum. They do not, at the moment, uh, encourage this broad uh, educational growth, which is why they're doing their own internal review. And this is Ofsted doing their own internal review of their process. That's not an external review. That's Ofsted reviewing their own processes because they have decided and they've come to the conclusion that the way the UK education system works, the way it monitors itself, is failing young people. That is not the situation we have on the Isle of Man because we do not have a UK-style education system. How do you know that if you don't system. get externally validated? Let me comment on that as well. All of the SSRE process is externally validated. So the, the SSRE team, the SSRE is a self-review process. So the schools review themselves with support from the department. And then every three years, those reports are externally validated, which means there is someone independent that is brought in to assess not only the school's this, own self-evaluation, this, this but the process as well. You as a department keep talking about the schools. This is not talking about schools this is about sorry, talking sorry, about an Ofsted talking, review of the department sorry we're talking department. we're talking right now about Ofsted making recommendations in respect of the schools so. right that's what we're talking about here Ofsted if you want you want to compare us to the UK Ofsted is what's known as a non-ministerial department they are accountable directly to Parliament in exactly the same way that our education improvement service through our minister is directly accountable to our Parliament it's a it's a comparable service. The only way you're going to get something that is equally as accountable is to create an independent review body. Because if Ofsted did a review of the department, that report would not be a Timwald report. They would not be Ofsted are not accountable to Timwald. It would have to be brought to Timwald. Timwald was commissioning right. it. It could of be. It could. But also, yeah. okay. on the so let me comment on that then. Why hasn't Timwald, through one of the social affairs policy review committees, commissioned Actually an external report? That. Well, that's, Julie, that's, you sit that's, on that committee. Yes, in fact, you're grilling the minister on Friday. Why has that committee that you sit <laughs> on, if you feel so strongly about this, why have you not commissioned I your have own spoken external to, review? I have spoken to the chair of that committee about that. So, um, so the answer is you haven't done it because the committee doesn't feel it's necessary. No, not at all, because it hasn't come up in so much that the, the minister hasn't actually stood in Tim Walls and basically said he's not prepared to do a review at no, the present time. No, I don't time. think that's so actually correct. It, no. it, what it is, is nobody's fundamentally objecting to a review. What, what it has to be is, what is that review for? Yeah. Well, it's going to cost money. The cost, it, the benefit has to outweigh the cost. It has to be 
clear what it is. At the end of the day, we're all, we're all elected report. by the rep- we're here to represent the people of the Isle of Man. There's a lot of concern with regards to the way that the departments perhaps operate, and I think what just to okay, make let's, it clear let's, let's on the percentage on that, of, percentage of salaries that is an indicator that perhaps the schools are ne- not getting budgeted correctly, and without an external review, you would not necessarily know that. And that is the whole point of doing an external review of the actual department to ensure that the funds. If you look at the secondary school budget for the last five years it's not changed it was it was 25 million it might have gone up to 26 million in five year period how can our head teachers be expected to continue to work like that hold on but you're, you're commenting there on budgetary so, process i don't recall during the budget debate anyone saying let's have more, some more money so. for education i'm yeah. not no, asking no, for no, more i'm no. saying that's hold why on. you need a review hold there's, on no you are plenty. you're saying exactly no, that the money that's been allocated no. by treasury isn't enough so no. where was that in the budget i'm debate? saying the department gets a budget they're not necessarily allocating the correct amount to secondary or primary education so, so where, therefore, where is it being an external, inv- in, in external you're criticising the so level that's been spent on teachers, and surely um, every parent and taxpayer no, wants no, as you're much clearly, you're as You're not possible. understanding the process of an external review. There also review. needs to be resourcing for the schools in terms of materials, and I'm, I don't think that we are at the same point we were five years no, ago and ten years not. ago. I think that the Isle of Man had a fabulous education system. I still think we've got amazing schools with very dedicated people in them, and I think the, the, the minister and, and now with these diversionary tactics, a little bit saying about co-location, nobody needs to know about that this is about the education bill the need to validate the department the issues with uh, the no, self-certified sorry, sorry. You, review you, hang on the issue with the self-certified the review or an external review both because how can you go for the bill with this massive with power grab change. to the sorry, centre no. without no, having sorry, a review of what you've the made a lot of you've made a lot of really wild claims about well, that I, bill can I just substantiate a few reference a few of those very specific a few of them so this isn't this isn't orwellian then that a head teacher um maybe dismiss a governor or head teacher who appears to the department to be unable or unwilling to perform functions under or in accordance with this act so even if it just appears to the department and the teacher is unwilling is clause they could be yes yeah. clause 22 yeah. they could be dismissed and the other parties the um you were mentioning about the governors well clause 21 2e states the remainder of governors to be appointed by the department and that's three governors. So no, you could no, that's talking... not three governors. That well, is a maximum. That's what, that reads, that's what I read in there. No, the... that is it. That will be a maximum. So actually, in any in any school, there will be seven. A maximum of seven governors, of whom three could be appointed could be, by the department. So, so hang on. Could seven, be appointed by the so department. Seven, and then the department addresses them to, every year or, or annually or as often as they want to address them. Mm-hmm. So the department's giving them the strategic direction. It seems that there is a culture shift in the way education's going to be delivered sorry, if this bill comes in. I'm sorry, but... I mean, your comments about the department being able to dismiss teachers, we actually had a very nice uh, and constructive very conversation with one of the yeah. unions earlier this week where we had a very uh, con- good conversation about the way employment law works and how actually the department, whatever you write in the education bill, employment law still applies to all of our staff, which means the department would have to have a, an exceptionally good reason to be able to dismiss someone. There is no way There is no so way why, these provisions will be so overriding employment law. So why, well, you have to bear that in mind. So, so why are you be... putting it in the bill then? Because the original consult, the draft consultation to the head teachers 12 months ago did not have Clause 22 as part of it. It suddenly appeared Sorry, here. I thought earlier on so, you said that we hadn't engaged with, with teachers th- and There was leaders. a draft consultation last year. There hasn't been any consultation prior to this coming out, other Ex- than they had it a couple of days before. But there was a consultation actual, a year ago. The, a draft consultation. A draft consultation. However, the, the failure to, and you, the, the process that's in place, and you've just talked about it for employment law mm. on the policy and the terms and conditions for teachers, why are we bringing policy on terms and conditions and employment law into an education bill? It doesn't need to be there.
There isn't anything in there about terms and conditions. Or well, well, but you can dismiss the teacher. They have to be held accountable. They have to be held accountable, but not not. This is a new clause that's appeared since the previous version. So, and and the other thing which really does concern me, this has been drafted in the UK, and I just feel that consideration of the Manx education system hasn't been taken. And I well. I tend to agree 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 with um, my colleague Daphne that. I think perhaps it should be withdrawn and it should be consulted with the schools, with the head teachers with and the teachers and parents. I'm sorry, but the bill is out for consultation mm. right now. And if you look at the consultation document itself, every single question has a, a space in it to provide as much comment and feedback as people want. And I would actually okay. encourage people to utilise that. On particular actually, aspects, but not the overarching there, there are, move in, in there the is department. A, there is a section on. in the consultation which asks for general feedback yeah. as well. The whole bill has been published. And I think it's fair to say that if any anyone has any concerns, I mean I've been engaging on social media with people about specific aspects of the bill, mm-hmm. please feed it into the consultation process because we are really interested in hearing what people think about some of the changes that are in there that most, I, th- I think actually all the changes that are in there to be honest, everything that's being changed, if anyone has anything to say or any the thoughts, fun- please f- share them with a us. A fundamental change in there is taking the, the power and the, um, the autonomy autonomy. away from the head teachers to design their own curriculum. I'm sorry, but that's not true at all. Uh, That that is how this bill is reading. The curriculum is going to be directed. And the autonomy, the ability to the department to force teachers to take children who've been um, expelled from another school, otherwise they're a threat of dismissal again. Can I clarify something on this? That is already the case. Only the department has the power to exclude students from schools. That is the way it currently stands. There is no change in the bill at all. Currently, only the Department of Education has the power to exclude, exclude that, students. But the head teachers are not at threat of dismissal if they then refuse to take, take the request no, from the yeah. department. There is nothing changing at all in that context. Absolutely nothing. I must interrupt. This is going remarkably well, actually. But uh, we, we must take an ad break, so bear with us. The Nation Station. Manx you are listening to Perspective on Manx Radio. We've started to have some messages in. William King. Um, thanks, Dolan. Yes, um, we've had one in from David Watts. He says, good afternoon, Dolan. Um, I am the author of some League Tables work published on the Positive Action Group's website and which has had thousands of downloads. The freedom of information request Mrs Kane was referring to at the beginning of this programme regarding the quandary over the mathematics GCSE was submitted by me. All parents with an interest in education should read it, despite the length of the response. It contains damning information, for example, in relation to the class of 2018 Balakamine, admit that up to 70% of them underachieved in terms of progress in maths. Just as telling is the relationship between the heads of our secondary schools and at the centre. No doubt the proposed draft section 22 of the new bill will keep the heads in order. That is from David Watts. Uh, Minister Hooper, no, Minister Hooper, oh dear. Whoa, 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 whoa. hold on a second. (laughs) Jumping the gun. (laughs) Political member Hooper, um, what do you make of those comments? Uh, Well, I haven't seen the freedom of information response that's being referred to, so it's very hard to comment, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, There were, uh, when they brought the IGCSEs in the first time around, it was off the back of a very large consultation. It was one of the largest consultations government had done at that point. And that was a very engaging process with the secondary heads, actually, who were at that point very supportive of bringing in the IGCSEs across the board. Um, but as they say, no battle plan ever survives contact with the enemy. And what's happened here is actually as implementing that, that as uh, happened over the last couple of years, the schools have run into some difficulties. And so it was raised by the heads of maths and the head teachers of the schools that actually the maths, specifically the maths IGCSE, wasn't really working for the Isle of Man, that the 
not the IDC generally, but the Cambridge process wasn't really working for the Isle of Man. So there was a, a long period of engagement then with the schools, with the heads of maths, with the head teachers uh, about, well, actually, what are your concerns and how can we help address them? And I think throughout through that process, we've, we've reached a point now where, um, where we have... I think agreed to address those concerns by putting the maths IGCSE to one side and moving to a different examining board for that. So it's still an IGCSE, but it's not the Cambridge board, um, which is a, quite a positive step in my view, actually. Is uh, and hopefully it'll it'll help resolve some of those concerns that the the maths teachers and the heads had. Um, I say from my perspective, the process that went through, uh, I felt it was quite engaging. It was, with, with and the I schools. think it w- it's a good example of when things aren't working, how how the department tries to work with teachers to get the right result. That took a lot of um, lobbying from the schools internally going to the department to try and get that change. It wasn't something that um, should have really been like that in the first place. And this is one of the concerns with the bill, because in the 2001 bill, it said that the the head teachers could have input into the curriculum, whereas this bill is appearing to take that yeah. power away from and the head I, teachers. I, they I must consult, they, they must consult, they're required to consult in the old bill, whereas this one, one they're, they're not. not. So. I think though that we have the position where some head teachers in secondary schools would like the autonomy of what exam board they sit with. Now that can't happen. Daphne already is, is asking for benchmarking. It's difficult to benchmark with the UK. It will make it impossible to benchmark within the island if they're all sitting different exams with different exam boards. There has to be a continuity across the board. This is what... I, I, I agree to that to a certain extent. My issue with it, I suppose, is is this happening in other subjects? We don't want our students to be mm-hmm. disadvantaged because they, they can't get the exam board or the type of exam that the head teacher feels is best for them. And now I thought that there was a range of BTECs and other exam boards possible that teachers could go for. Mm-hmm. I suppose the worry is, as a, as a parent now, that if your child's going through a school and the head teacher says, oh, I think your child would be better doing this exam, but we're not allowed to suggest that because... We have to go by what the department no, again, is telling us. Again, that, that's a, a fundamental misunderstanding of the way that uh, the relationship between the secondary schools. Have you and read? The you read what it says in the. The, the relationship does the not way, look that. The way that, the way that, good the way that the way all the department requires is that when it comes to a level two qualification, that every student is given the opportunity to undertake a level two qualification. If students, for whatever reason, aren't able to access or properly access those level two qualifications, the schools are more than able to go and pick other qualifications so it's not about saying oh actually this child can't do this so we're going to force them to do something else this is very specific to say maths for example it's about saying we do maths in our secondary schools and we use this exam board across the board across the island Mm -hmm. that's the way it works if for example you want to uh, you've got a child that should be be better off doing a btech or a vocational course absolutely nothing stopping the schools picking and choosing what qualifications they offer themselves and the best example of that that I can think of is the LIBF qualifications London Institute of Banking and Finance we're currently two of our schools are offering those qualifications not all of them and that's entirely because those two schools have chosen to offer that additional qualification the department hasn't gone out to them and said you must you shall it's entirely up to the secondary schools what additional qualifications they offer all the curriculum is doing is saying you must offer certain qualifications everything above and beyond that it's entirely within the control of the schools um, speaking about comparisons between schools and comparisons with the UK, and we've also just heard from David Watts, it might be timely to to insert this then. Just over a year ago, Mrs Kane said she believed the Isle of Man should publish school league tables comparing our education system to the UK. One local researcher argued that we already do. That was David Watts of Castletown. He says they make for interesting reading. The department publish 
um, various aspects of attainment for each of the five secondary schools, both at GCSE and A-level, and these are, to all intents and purposes, secondary school league tables, albeit not giving a direct comparison with England schools. But in addition, the Freedom of Information Act has brought about a series of requests to the Department of Education that has revealed attainment data for each of the island's primary schools, the answers to which mean that parents can construe their own league tables depending on those criteria that interest them. Well, you've made your own requests for certain information. I mean, you've got two children who are now just in secondary education. Correct, they finished yeah. the primary route. And you've effectively compiled your own, have you? I have. I've looked at compiling uh, league tables for year six, just completed in July 2017, and I've looked at those percentage of children attaining level five in the national curriculum. I've got to ask you, how accurate though are they? Because there's obviously always room for, for, for error in something like this. And secondly, just give me a, a few standout figures that you've discovered, if you would. Well, the, the, the data I've used is, of course, the information that has been provided from the department in response to a Freedom of Information request. And I have to say that Freedom of Information request they resisted in publishing. That was only released, ultimately, because the Information Commissioner directed that the information in full be published. It's not specific school data, though, is it? It's Isle of Man averages compared with England. Is I that have right? specific school data for every you, school. You have? Yeah, and of course I've got Isle of Man averages, and of course I can use the Isle of Man averages to compare with England averages. So looking at, say, the three R's, everyone knows Yeah, what does it R's. tell us? Yeah. Well, OK, in... For reading, for instance, the island-assessed average percentage of Year 6 pupils gaining Level 5 was 41%. In England, 53%. Writing, the island-assessed average, again, 27%. England, 36%. And mathematics, the island-assessed average for Year 6 attaining Level 5 was 34%. In England, the figure was 46%. The concept of league tables is an important issue. It's also dangerous, but parents naturally will compare. Is that fair? Of course they compare. Parents do compare. They compare schools, they compare departments within schools, they compare teachers. That is a fact. I've spent the last nine years at the school gate, James. Believe me, parents compare. Of course they do, and, and, and it always has been the case. But the island is going to get league tables whether it wants them or not, in effect, is it not? It is. I'm minded to produce a website so parents can readily compare schools across the island, primary schools to start with, but they can also look at the contextual data to see if that school has a high percentage of pupils, for example, whose English is not their first language, or a high percentage of special education needs students. Well, well tell me, I want to look at this in more detail with you and, and, and we'll, we'll talk in more detail, but for now... Have you been in dialogue with the department? I've done a number of freedom uh, and, information. and if not, why not? <laughs> I've done a number of freedom information requests. Uh, their response to me... That, that's not dialogue as such, though. Have you actually introduced yourself and said, look? No, I've no, need, no, no reason to do that whatsoever. And in fact, they've been rather curt in their response. They've resisted a lot of this information coming out and been somewhat obtuse in their responses. Perhaps is that because of the way you've approached it? They don't want the data out there, James, I think. The data I've uncovered is quite worrying, in my opinion, as a parent who cares about attainment. We have got so much going for us educationally. I'm sure you, you agree with that in, in our schools and our facilities. Yes, there are concerns. This is nothing new, is it, these concerns? The, the, the issues and the, the strengths and the weaknesses it doesn't make it right, but they've been there for some time. They've been there for some time. The data is going track back to about 2013. I've just focused on the last year. But the reason I focused on level five, for instance, is because that is the one level above the minimum standard that children should be at when they leave primary school. We shouldn't be aspiring to minimum standards. We should be aspiring to high standards as a small jurisdiction. As an LEA, 
if the Isle of Man was a local education authority in its own right, it would be almost at the bottom of English local education Well, why don't? Why now not arrange a meeting with education chiefs? They may want one after hearing this, and say, look, what can we do about this? Because there are so many dedicated staff, but there are a lot of failings as well in the system. I'm more than open to a meeting and a debate with the minister, the director of education, or any of the t- head teachers. But uh, there is a, a fundamental resistance to league tables within the department. Are, are we as a society, and this isn't just aimed at education, dumbing down? Are we playing too often just to the lowest common denominator and, and willing to accept the average? Yes. Championing mediocrity is where I'd put it, James. And I'd just draw attention also, if you look at the Director of Public Health on the island, Dr Hewitt, she's recently produced her annual report. You can compare Isle of Man health statistics with the northwest of England or England. The Chief Constable does the same with his crime statistics. So why not with education? If parents want to move to the island and we want to attract people to move to the island, they're going to compare schools. They're not going to be fobbed off with misinformation from the department. That was local researcher David Watts there speaking to James Davis in February last year. Uh, Mrs Keynes, come to you first, if I may. Um, have your views on league tables changed? Uh, yes, they have. I listened to a lot of feedback about this. Um, I think fundamentally for me, the department needs to collect data. They do a really good job with the secondary school data in terms of several different tables showing um, number crunching, analysing and displaying very openly how each school does in five GCSEs, A to C grade, but in lots of other measures as well. And for me, that showed that last year that Balakimine is always consistently strong. Last year, I think QE2 was particularly good. And the previous year, Ramsey Grammar School was particularly high. That's that's what I took from it. And that was the department doing the analysis and collecting the data. And it was meaningful and helpful. Um, in terms of league tables, we don't want to set school against school. We don't want to have failing schools, perhaps. But we do want to have an openness about... If the if the data the department is collecting is meaningful and appropriate for the primary schools, then should they perhaps own that data, analyse it, present it to parents in a, in an open way, um, looking at many other factors? And it would be very helpful to have that. But also on the other side of the um, assessment of schools, and the reason I think I'm, I'm with my colleague Julie Edge here, thinking that we should do better this the, the self-certified review of schools you know how helpful is it to parents to know that the school knows itself very well and that the external inspector agrees that the school knows itself very well I don't find that they're getting the reports on necessarily what the school is assessed on each three years and with the external assessor is that helpful in us displaying showcasing what is excellent about our education system Juliet your views um I basically really what what um my colleague um daphne has said um however how how if you're doing self-review yes it's done externally but the scope of that external um self-review chat that comes over is set by the department so how do you know it needs to be independent and with and, and comparators. I, th- I think the comparators are essential. And I just think the gathering of data is critical. And I, I, the data is gathered. Uh, it's not necessarily shared right the way through from primary through to secondary. We hear regularly that one of the sort of aspirations of this administration is to increase the economically active population. And league tables or a mechanism which gave indications as to the strength of education on the Isle of Man surely ties in with that. 
of course it attracting your families here yeah and, and, I, and I think you know we, we we keep hearing that we've got an education system to be proud of I, I genuinely believe we have I've worked in the system I know we've got you know there's a lot of really good professional people working really hard to get the best outcomes for children and I think we should be able to advertise this but you need a critical external validation to be able to stand up there and say yes we are the world class leaders and if I could just come back in on that, I mean, we're, because we're so few um, direct comparators possible on coming out of the department to, to show and demonstrate with evidence how the Isle of Man is comparing and achieving compared with other places. Um, some figures that I found that um, Northern Ireland, the pass rate for five GCSEs grades A to C, um, Northern Ireland um, in 2018 was 71.8%, whereas the Isle of Man was 58.3%. Um, and the last year that we could compare with the UK was 2016 when they were on the old A to C system. And again, while the UK was 57.4% in 2016, the Isle of Man was 61.7%. And Ireland was again higher at 67%. So maybe we should be looking at Ireland, Northern Ireland or Scottish system or even Wales in terms of the assessors and the external review validation and reviews and or exam board systems because uh, there are other places that seem to be doing better, but it is getting harder and harder to compare. Um, if I could bring you in here uh, and call it, how how far is it right or proper to, to compare with other jurisdictions? It isn't. We have a real policy for inclusion in the Isle of Man. Now, you can compare if you're comparing like for like, but I don't believe you can compare because we are not alike other places. You know, we're talking about attainment at level five. Some children just aren't capable of reaching level five. Are they failing? No, not as long as they reach their own their potential. And that's what it's all about. It's about it's about the individual children getting to the place they should be, not about testing all children on one level and their attainment is, is, is because this is just numbers on a page. Behind those numbers are children, children with different needs, different attainment levels, different aspirations. And who's best to assess that? The schools, the head teachers not the department set and curriculum for them. We've had some messages in. I'd um, just like to hand to William King, if I may. Yes, um, we've Nonsense. had one anonymous text in which says, my experience with education has always been the teachers are fantastic and it's those higher up the chain that cause issues. Um, so that again, my experience with education has always been the teachers are fantastic, but it's those higher up in the chain that cause issues because they don't listen to what parents want and the employees are not encouraged to say what they think for fear of losing their jobs. Every time I've had dealings with the education department, they like to make you think they are listening, so it looks good, but in reality it's just paying lip service. We've had one in from Pat that says that the problem with Manx schools is that they are used as teacher training schools, and most of our teachers are just out of uni and lack experience. And Charlie says that Zimbabwe sits the Cambridge system and gets very good results. Why can't we? Um, are there any thoughts from our uh, panel on any of that? I, I, it's difficult to, to comment sensibly, I think, when you get information like that. Um, I know one of the criticisms that's been levelled about the, the Cambridge system is that quite often uh, in other parts of the world it's primarily private schools that use it rather than uh, state schools. And uh, I don't know how, whether that's, I don't know if there's any truth behind that or not, but um, I'd imagine that's where the, the comment about Zimbabwe is coming from. Um, the comments that have been made about the department setting the curriculum, again, that 
it just shows a fundamental lack of understanding there, I think. Uh, and especially when you're looking to compare the way the Isle of Man uh, does things compared to, say, the UK. So uh, Ms. Uh, Ms. Kane read out a lot of statistics there. But actually, uh, as Anne, Anne Corlett just said, we're not comparing like with like. I mean, Ofsted are doing a review at the moment of the system in the UK because they're not comfortable with the outcomes they're getting from their schools. Um, and the reason for that is that Ofsted themselves are admitting that the the way that they are dealing with league tables, the way they're dealing with assessment and performance metrics in the UK, it's narrowing the curriculum to the point where they are uh, basically turning out their exam factories. They're pushing these kids to achieve desired outcomes, which are good exam results in very specific and narrow fields. So uh, forcing kids to pick specific exam types, forcing kids to pick specific subjects so they're not getting a broad curriculum, uh, rather than one of the comments here is rather than reading a wide range of books, some children are instead spending their time repeating reading comprehension tests. And this is purely as a result of schools being measured on these very dry, very kind mm -hmm. of arbitrary metrics saying you will have X percent of your kids hitting a certain level. It doesn't matter what the capability of those children are or whether even that, if that serves those children best. Mm. That's the system they have and that's the system the UK are looking to move away from. Now we already have the system that's there that the UK are looking to move away into. The system that says actually let's take a more holistic approach to this and rather than saying how many of our children got a percentage in this particular course, how many of them hit a certain level, you're actually saying, well, how much progress are our children making? So the expected progress in schools, I think, is something like three levels. And so as long as you've got children that are making the right amount of progress in a school, they're hitting their targets, they're making their own uh, potential, surely that's what matters, rather than being able to, t to say, actually, compared to this school in the UK that teaches in a different way, that has a much narrower curriculum that is uh, basically teaching kids by rote learning to get them through these exams, especially at primary level, which kids are coming out of the system uh, you know, better, more ready for work? It, it's, not, it, it's not like we can compare the UK uh, with us simply because oh, we do similar qualifications with a similar title. The method of teaching is actually what's more important sometimes than the actual piece of paper you come out with at the end. We're, we're, we're swiftly approaching the one o'clock news and I'm afraid we still have an ad break to get in, but don't go away. Do, do join us after the one o'clock news um, and you can get in touch as well you can text us on one double six one double seven you can email us at studio at manxradio.com or after the one o'clock news the man in line will be open for you to call us on 66 13 68 the nation station Manx radio. you are listening to perspective on manx radio we're speaking about education and the public consultation for the new education bill and i'm joined on the phone hopefully by max kelly good afternoon good afternoon and um, what was it you'd like to to put forward um well i'm the head teacher of two schools in the isle of man i head up Blacksea school and also dune school and i was just listening with interest to the clip that was played um before the news with mr watts talking about the introduction of lead tables and I've felt that I've had, I'm going to have to phone in and, and make this point really clear. You know, on, on the Isle of Man, I think we've got absolutely lots to celebrate with our schools, lots to celebrate data-wise, and maybe that is an area we could do better on as an island. We can and should be pretty open and be able to set the data that comes out in an appropriate context. And I've heard comments around your table this afternoon to that effect, and I'd agree with that. But if I can just cite the example of the Dune School... The youngest children on, on, on the Isle of Man are assessed against a metric which is known as GLD, which stands for Good Level of Development. Now, last year at Dune School, we had a cohort of two children. So the possibilities for reporting in a, a GLD to the department were threefold. 
GLD. 50% if only one of the children had achieved it and the other hadn't. And 0% if neither child had achieved the GLD metric. So the difference between finishing top of the so-called lead table with 100% or bottom as a 50% or 0% outcome would have done, it's down to the attainment of one child. That's how fine a line it is between being top and bottom. And that highlights just how inappropriate having some sort of ranked lead table actually is. And Mr. Watts continues to push this, but actually he's not a parent of children in the primary uh, school system. And I don't think he always makes that particularly clear. I don't think he's a voice for parents. Uh, across the Isle of Man, he's decided that's the we're, we're, going to take up. We've got we've got some we've got some no, nodding in the studio from um you know what? If parents want to know about the child's school, perhaps they can have a healthy relationship with this school. They could come into school, visit them, see them in action for themselves, talk to concerts, talk to assemblies, speak to teachers about their, their individual child's progress. And you know what? Most parents do and most parents are happy. So the lead table um thing just doesn't seem to be a story that's picking up any sort of traction across the island. Whenever um, it gets mentioned, it tends to be a soundbite from Mr. Watts or Mr. Watts's report that's talked about. It isn't even a report. It's just a document or a, a, it's just a set of words that uh, a man has written. It's certainly not a, a report or a, a anything more official than that. And I felt that does need to be said. So thank you for listening. And that's my contribution to your show today. Thank you very much indeed. Laurie Hooper, some nodding there from, from yeah, your I'd, direction. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that assessment, actually. The one thing that, that I think Max hasn't touched on, but I think his example really highlights, is that when you have a very small cohort, it's actually quite easy to identify those children as well. So if there are two children in a class, one of them uh, hits the level and one doesn't, you're presenting a 50% metric to the department. Well, actually, it's quite likely that people in that area, in that school, are going to know which one of those kids is, is succeeding and which one then in the eyes of the state and the eyes of the system isn't succeeding. So as well as actually having a drastic impact on where the school itself would sit, actually you can have real impact on the individual kids as well when you start to publish some of this data for some of our, our smaller schools and some of the smaller cohorts. So I'd, I'd actually support a lot of what, what Max was just saying. Can I say I support it as well? But I think the key point there was that um, it, there is a lot to celebrate. We don't want to put, why, why collect data if it's not meaningful and relevant? And also, data-wise, I think we could do better. So can we can we review what is collected and how it's presented? And that's the key about the, 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 the graphs and all the... Um, the document on the secondary education where the department is very um, full information on various aspects of how they're achieving in their education. It would be brilliant if the department would collect meaningful data, put it into context and present it on how our primary schools are achieving without identifying small cohorts or anything else. But it's got to be meaningful and it's got to be um, something that the parents can have confidence in is reflecting the standard of education across the schools. But truly this, this skews it. I mean, from a personal experience, the child who had some additional needs at school, in a small school, and is responsible for perhaps more than 30% of the attainment mark, which, you know, when they don't achieve, does, does that mean the child failed? No, it does not. Does it mean the staff failed? No, it does not. Does it mean the school failed? No, it does not. It's just that, that but that's how a, a table would show that. 
But that's up to the department to put it into context. And if we're talking the special education or the additional education needs, I mean, that's a whole area in this education bill I want to talk about. But I think that that's a very important aspect that can be reflected in the narrative that the department puts around it. I think the challenge you've got, though, is the moment you start talking about needing to contextualise and needing to put a narrative, the end result is always going to be a table of schools. And the majority of people aren't going to read the, the narrative in the context. It'll be that table that gets published yeah. and where they... But, and and but they do that for secondary really yeah. successfully. They do it for the secondary schools successfully and nobody's saying so-and-so, this school's top of the league table or somebody is bottom. It's all the information on the various different measures that the department puts in place, collects the data and analyses. And I just think Actually, that... that, that, that statement good. isn't true at all. The, the statement, the published data for the secondary schools is, is A-level and GCSE results, mm. not but, metrics the department collects. It is a results-based publication. But, but this new measure of development that's come in, the, G, the GLD... Um, obviously has come in since SATs were stopped within our school system. So has there a review been taken place since that? SATs used to be in our primary system and people used to know the levels quite well. So is, but has this been looked at since? It's or not does it get looked at annually? Or this is, is only it part reception of the year. This yeah. GLD is only right. applies okay. to reception year. So, there's nothing so, so it's nothing replacing SATs. No. Right, OK. There's nothing actually replaced that, so perhaps there is something missing. No, I think I think again, again, you're wrong there. Uh, there's been no. So what assessments take place? There's no, there's no formal. There is no formal standardised testing undertaken. Instead, uh, pupils at primary schools are assessed on a, on a, a teacher assessment basis. Yeah. So there is an assessment that is undertaken, but it isn't. Like I say, it's not SATs because there wasn't really felt. To be and any that's value. how it should yeah. be because it's about the individual child. But that's what I'm saying that them teacher assessments don't ever come out as they, they obviously um, inform and they advise the secondary when the children move up. But there's no actual, if I was moving to the Isle of Man, where could I go and see what the levels of attainment are and how it's reviewed within the schools? But, but again, I think that's, that's something that you, you're missing out on, the levels of attainment, the, the methodology they use is all published on, on the various mm. website. It tells you what the, the levels mean. We've already had reference from Mr Watts talking about the levels of development at, at, uh, at the schools and he was referencing a level five. Well, that, that means something to, to people in the system. That, it means that, something to people in the UK, yeah. And so Not I here. think trying trying to build up this picture of well how can you see how well a school is doing it falls back onto uh, the, the view I think of the department is it's got to be about the individual child and how much progress those children are making and yeah. are they managing to achieve what what is their own individual potential rather than but this kind of approach that says well we're going to standardise and we're going to compare black with white and, and apples with oranges and then try and uh, develop something that doesn't really need developing. So publish the progress of each well uh, of cumulatively yeah. the how much progress has been made and how positive and, that and is. Again, for the, the problem with that comes back to when you have small schools with small cohorts you really are you struggling then to try and publish that kind of data without identifying individual children so, but if you say without, the expected is three levels progress and what percentage of children made the three levels progress or whatever it is who's checking that that's happening as i suppose it comes back to doesn't it is there somebody specifically responsible in the department making sure that progress is happening on individuals in schools i must interrupt because we we have a caller on the phone um hopefully we have tristram good afternoon uh, good afternoon. Um, uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I would like to make a general comment about the bill. And then I've got a question, and I'd like a, a short answer, please, from each um, uh, MHK, if that's okay. Yep. Um, Fire away. I've read through the whole bill, and I don't think it's going to do anything to improve the quality of schools in the Isle of Man where that's needed. It's all about bureaucracy, control, punishment. It basically regulates and controls all forms of private education, but on the other hand, there is no 
formal requirement for a statutory inspection of the schools, which I think is required. And the net result is it's going to be a lot harder for parents to get a good education for their children in the Isle of Man. The bill is going to add nothing to education. It's going to remove some basic freedoms. It's going to make life harder for parents and teachers, but it does everything to strengthen the power of civil servants. It's also punitive. Included in it are eight criminal offences carrying six months custody, six months in Jerby prison as a sentence. Now, this is the first time I've ever heard of the criminal law being used to impose education policy. Okay, So I've got a question, and I'm going to focus on one of those offences. I'd like a response from each of the politicians, please. Would you send a home-educating parent to prison for six months due to a disagreement about home education provision, because that's what this bill enables. And I'd like to know from each of the politicians what they think of it. Would you do it? Would you imprison my wife and I or other home educating parents over a disagreement about home education? I'll open that up to the four MHKs. Any thoughts? I'd be nice to know what section of the bill he's referring to. Actually, could you clarify? It's in the piece about sec- about school attendance orders where it refers to section 65. But if you're moving the bill, you should know about this. But never mind that, it's the principle. Do you think you would seriously see a parent jailed over a disagreement on home education? Sorry, nowhere in Britain would do that. This provision is totally new. None of the other governments in the UK are looking to change the law. This is a sorry. I need to go back to you. you need to. It, it is a quite a large bill. I'd like to know exactly the provision that you're referring to. That would really oh, help okay. us answer the question. Right. You can go home. It's a lengthy provision on school attendance orders. You can go home and read it up. Okay. But no, print- no. I'm sorry, but what you're you're you've referred specifically to a section of the bill that would allow the department to jail a home educator as a result of a disagreement. Uh, I need to know which section of the bill specifically states it that. It is the whole measure on home education that requires a child to be interviewed, that requires an assessment, and then if the assessment um, isn't up to standard, whatever that assessment is, there is the facility for the department to apply for a school attendance order. Um, if the court grants a school attendance order and the parent still disagrees and says no, then there's a six-month custodial sentence or a level five fine, which is 10,000 quid. That provision appears for additional seven other offences. But if you're not... We're short okay. of time. If you're not going to give a straight answer to that... No, sorry, I think, straight I think, you're, I think what you're talking about here is the, is the failure of a parent to ensure suitable education for a child. I think seven of the, I think you've referred to a number of offences. A number of those offences are about uh, the provision of unregulated schools, the provision yeah, okay. of unregulated let's, qualifications. Let's come back to what I've asked. If you're not going to answer the question directly whether you think this is an appropriate uh, sanction, could I have an answer from one of the other three MHKs? No, again, again, it's it's important right. to be very clear here on right, what, well, the, bill is, on what the bill is doing. You're now, moving it forward and you don't have... A, a, I'm sorry, a, let me finish on talking. On the detail of this, the then bill... why are you moving... Why are you... Why are you here? Why is not the minister here? Why is not the chief executive here? The bill requires the bill requires that every child of compulsory school age is provided with a suitable education. The bill allows parents to choose how that education is provided, either through the state school system 
or they're able to home educate or, or use a private school. That all those things are allowed for in the school in the in the bill. Right. If, however, bill if however a suitable education is not being provided, yeah. then there are penalties in place. That is exactly the same as the current bill. The penalties are in place to make sure that children on the Isle of Man are receiving a suitable education. Right. I th- the bill, I think, I think bill the bill redacts the provision for home education because home education has been defined in British law since the 1944 Act as education otherwise, otherwise is redacted. So there is a fundamental change. But I've heard from you, Mr Hooper, I've heard at length, but I would like the other MHKs, please, if the presenter could please ask them, what do they think of, of a provision like that? Would you support it? Any comments? Under under Section 62, the duty to arrange for education, I have obviously concerns with that um, uh, because obviously it's saying that um, there's no requirement on the department and then there has to be full risk assessments for anybody to access schools. So there is is lots in this that I have concerns with um, and with regards to the fines. It's actually, uh, as you say, there's... The bureaucracy with it within it, and the shift of power um, to the department to control and manage um, without any. I have real concerns for our, for our, all of our our teachers in our schools and all of our children. To be quite honest. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mrs. Kane. Um, hi there, Tristan. Well, um, I would I send a home educating parent to prison I would hope that it wouldn't come to that and mm. that would seem an extreme sanction um, for like you said if, if the department assessed that the home educator wasn't doing it I think where the, the bill comes from is that there are some safeguarding concerns over home educators I'm disappointed that the now I did have a discussion with the minister and a number of home educators last year to say that they were attempting to bring forward um, guidance on this issue rather than legislation and it's um, it's disappointing that it's come to legislation and obviously I've heard from several home educators now who are very concerned and distressed that this puts extra burden on them and they see it very much as an intrusion into their their choice to opt out and and do a curriculum and education that's suitable for that child so yeah i'd hope that you that it wouldn't come to somebody sending a home educator to prison because the department assessed that the child was not getting the education thank you very much indeed to tristram our caller we'll be right back after this ad break the nation station You are listening to Perspective on Manx Radio. We're talking about a public consultation on a new education bill. Daphne Kane, um, do you have any other concerns or points to raise about the bill in its oh, current I've, form? I've got a list. I've got a whole load. Um, a few brief ones to start with. The definition of secondary education seems to change in this bill. It was um, this is eleven to sixteen. Um, previously, it was eleven to eighteen. You know what? What does that say about our sixth forms within schools? Um, I did like. Comment I can answer yep. that question quite easily. Section 93 of the bill refers specifically to further education uh, and it must be provided the department will make arrangements with the secondary schools. Uh, it's quite interesting to hear some of these complaints as we've already heard them word for word uh, from uh, various unions and uh, other head teachers. So, right. Well, I had a constituency surgery yeah. just yesterday and more than half of it was taken up with concerns over the education bill from a few constituents. Um, the I, I do like the ability that you can educate 14-year-olds in the college setting now where that's felt necessary. Um, interesting that you're talking about an all through school um, from primary through to secondary. Um, 
I don't know if people in the smaller schools should be worried about the um, department powers to amalgamate or close schools, but the main point I wanted to get onto is the um, additional education needs and the special education needs. Um, th this one um, seems to be, I think, going outside and is not going to be compliant with the Equality Act um, once that comes in from January. I, I did ask the minister a written question and he said it was compliant with human rights, GDPR, data protection and Equality Act legislation in a response two weeks ago. But what um, impact assessment has been done on the measures in this specific bill before it was published? And I think part of the reason I think perhaps it should be withdrawn is for that to be assessed and confirmed. Can I put that to the political members? Yeah, the, the bill's an enabling bill, so the only powers uh, in respect of uh, AEN that are existing in the bill, it sets out clearly the uh, additional educational need principles, so the principles the department will have to comply with, and then it says the department uh, must issue a code of practice under the bill. That, that's uh, essentially where the additional educational needs provision uh, in the bill stops. There are then two sections that talk about when assessments of a child's uh, additional needs can be done and it mandates the department must undertake those for children mm -hmm. within its care and also that the parents have rights to request such assessments be undertaken if the department hasn't already. Aside from that uh, there really isn't a, a great deal in here around um, additional educational needs primarily because it, the bill is designed to be enabling which means a lot of the detail is going to come through the the code that will be published uh, later on it. hopefully alongside the bill when it hits the branches oh, okay but i'm right thinking the oh, this is what i'm informed by parents of special education needs children um, in the surgery that in, in England the education health care plan applies from 0 to 25 years here we've going up to 21 years which is a positive but special education needs on the Isle of Man when the assessment and the department is obliged to provide um, the appropriate level of education on that only applies to secondary if a child is in primary um, I'm told here that if you clause 86 states there is no right to educational provision for additional needs at primary no I'm sorry that's a fundamental misunderstanding the bill provides that additional educational needs will be dealt with at primary and secondary clause 86 is, is a specific reference to enable that um, you made a reference there to up to age 21 the reason clause 86 exists is so that when you stop being of compulsory school age you can still receive your education at a secondary school if that is required. So that's that's what that's why it says the department may provide so this some of this additional education for people with AEN at secondary schools. So absolutely fundamental so understanding. So there. child age five to ten who is assessed as having additional needs, you're saying the department will have to provide for those because yeah. the department states in here it doesn't have to assess anyone unless they're satisfied the needs won't last more than 12 months. So how is the department qualified to make that decision and what's the impact going to be on a child who requires special education support for 12 months? <laughs> sorry, sorry, no, sorry. sorry. You're talking. You're talking about. You're talking about children here with additional educational needs. They, those, those children have relatively permanent additional educational needs. If you have additional needs that are going to last less than a year, uh, then I'm not really sure where you're coming from with that. I'm not. I'm. I'm trying hard myself to visualise. I, I think perhaps it's someone who's sustained an injury, or perhaps uh, my child had gonna, special education needs for time. I think that's the question. It broke a neck. Right. But that's but that 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 required a modified curriculum that wasn't a child with 
uh, essentially mm. what you're talking about here is, is additional education so needs, yeah. no, the, I'm, I'm just saying in terms of the bill those those the requirement on the department for the additional education needs seems not to be giving confidence to the parents of children who would fall into that bracket that those needs would be met that the department must um, the department. provide that level of education at primary school right. well, as well as secondary school I think Absolutely. what it's trying to do is simplify maybe definitely yeah. a bit rather than saying you know that an AEN code needs to be compiled and put, put forward and um, it's probably easier to do that in a code rather than contain it all with the bill and, and that's easier to adapt and evolve as time goes on. So we're going to have to be very careful when, when regulations come forward or codes come forward in the future. Yeah. I'm well, going to have to interrupt yeah. here because we're, we're getting some, some messages in. I'd just like to hand over to William King with a few. Yes, thank you very much for having loads of texts and emails and uh, some phone calls as well, but we may not be able to get to those. Um, John says that in his view, his son was let down by the education system. His junior school with a class of 35 kids, the school only catered for the high achievers within the class. Um, he said that bringing in the tables... Um, and accountability would be good for the head teachers. Um, and then on the converse side of that, um, Therry has said that she's worked in schools here and across and league tables taken as a broad comparison are horrendous. They mean taking a lot of the joy of wanting to learn out of primary school. She says that she wants youngsters who are confident and willing to learn and to do the best they can and have good self-esteem and mental health. League tables do not help with any of this. And um, just a final one um, we've had in says, what penalties are in place where the department fails to provide the required education, especially with waiting lists for children with mental health issues given waiting lists for CAMs and lack of resources in schools to provide this support? This, this is also a major issue. We've already had um, um, knowledge that there are 150 people waiting for speech and language therapy, that there isn't the provision currently to make. Um, a bigger mailbag of mine is the mental health um, and access to it by young people and the fact that there, there, there's just not enough provision of listening service and early intervention for those people. And indeed, one of one constituent came to me and said, I mean, two, thing, two different stories in the last week, um, that the student was having massive anxiety could not get out of the car and was in limbo they weren't home educating but they were not able to access any education and there was no education being provided um, and another one from further longer ago said and this was a student who phoned me to say that um, a young student had been to go to access in a, in a crisis mental crisis gone to the listening service to be told there's no availability of appointments today come back in four weeks and that, that, I think, is the major issue facing us, that, yes, we need young people who are resilient and fit for the workplace with all the relevant skills and academic qualifications, but fundamentally we need to ensure that physically and mentally, they're health-wise, that they're fit as well. And that, again, comes back to, is the department adequately funding our schools to give them that support that's required? There used to be um, educational psychologists attached to the schools, and that service has been, been withdrawn. And I think, um, obviously, yes, we did go through a period where budgets had to reduce. Um, I didn't, educations didn't actually reduce significantly, but the same amount of money is getting spent, but no increases to the schools for, to deal with these. And I think we, we've got £1.5 million to go to our students to help them with student grants. Totally agree with that. Not when there's been a policy coming forward for two and a half years and we're still to see it. And, you know, there's not a, there's no policy on 
there's supposed to be a new policy coming forward on special educational needs. That's what the, what the minister and the yeah. CEO said yeah. last year. Where mm. is it? And mm. I think without these, and it's not and that's that, that is a bit of bureaucracy. But we people need to know that there is policy and progress coming forward to help all of our young people. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, to jump in quickly, you said all of our young people do. Do children have a level playing field with education on the Isle of Man, do you feel? I'd like to think they do, but I'm not so sure. It's probably worth clarifying a lot of the services that are being discussed here actually aren't provided by the Department for Education, and we've seen this quite recently with the, the speech and language uh, issues that, that we're having. It, it's actually uh, the biggest challenge, I think, that we're facing is this inability of government to work together sometimes, yes. and, and that's been an issue that's been raised, I think, consistently by, by all four of us yeah. here, is that actually that some of the challenges we're facing across government are the fact where you've got government departments with slightly different priorities themselves, often competing for the same resources, but and then... But again, kind of previously, and in the UK, children's services are connected with education yeah. on the island we're not they're connected to our health service and you know perhaps this, fund this is where an external <laughs> yeah. fundamental yes. review will say where these services should sit and are they sitting in the right Although place it's, I think it's the answer to this too you know is, is funding and joint commissioning joint funding is is key to but, these things but and, Everybody says we're very well funded, and we are very well funded, but is it getting spent and delivered to the children or the people most in need? And so, to, to, to speak specifically to, to you, um, Julie Adjan and Daphne Kane, this review that you're looking for is that, is that isn't it? It's to, it's to look at the structure of funding it's first. To, it's to ensure that the funding that's out there is adequate um, for, for our schools. I, I genuinely, having worked in the system, believe that there is good funding, but is it getting delivered to the to what is required and getting delivered to the front line to our students to ensure that they come out as successful young adults. I think I'd come in and say yes a fundamental review of the structure of the department That's the right. areas and the funding and do we need to put children back as that was lost from the Department of Education and Children's title have children got forgotten I think children and family services are underspending well I don't want them to underspend I want them to probably have more resources but to be de delivered in a more joined up way would be um, I think a huge leap forward so in terms of a fundamental review for how we deliver education and all the support services that children require to go through their school career but um, in a short-term way that that's one big big picture but I think the second strand of where I'm coming from is, is perhaps where we need to have a more focused review is on the education improvement service is that fit for purpose would an external um, inspection regime f delivered from whichever authority and against the um, criteria that was set for them to inspect on the island would that take us forward in terms of being able to have confidence in the excellence of our schools and I think in this, in, in this new bill it's not actually saying anything about an external uh, validation of the department and I think we, we accept that there is one takes place however it's the contract can be awarded to the same contract year after year, so is there any improvement? And I think perhaps, like along with other other um, areas, so government's internal audit process, they have to change the auditor every six years, I think it is. So, you know, there needs to be elements like that built into things into the legislation to ensure that it's happened and appropriate going forward. We are rapidly approaching two o'clock, and I must take our final ad break. Don't go away. We're still keen to hear your views. Text us, 166177, email at studio at radio.com. You can use the hashtag, hashtag MRPerspective, and the man in line is open on 66 13 68. See you after this. Men's radio. Station, station, Manx Radio. 
You are listening to Perspective on Manx Radio. Messages are still coming in. William King. Yeah, we've just taken a call from Helen, um, who's saying that there needs to be more help for students with special needs. Um, she said that uh, Mr Hooper's silence said it all, um, that you cannot put funding in front of children's welfare. Um, we've also had a text that said it's well known by parents and students that the standard of teachers in Manx schools is not as good as it should be. They are used as teacher training posts, those in from our listeners. And also a final one saying that we, why do we not have pupil premium on the Isle of Man? That's in from Tim. Any comments? I've asked for pupil premium directly to the Education Minister on the floor of Keys and Timwell previously. He said um, that it was something a teacher was currently doing a research project into, but I was disappointed, as I said in the budget speech, that there is no provision for additional funding for the most disadvantaged students and also more more funding for special education or education support within schools. Pupil premium isn't the way to do it. You cannot just throw money at this. It really has to be targeted... And, and really targeted at the pupils in, in a way that just not... Yeah. No, I'm, there I, needs I, to I, be levels sorry, of funding for Sorry, just for my individuals. ignorance, what is pupil premium? In the UK, there's, there's a, a, a premium attached to each pupil. £1,200 per pupil in a disadvantaged school. So if you said that perhaps 50% or close of people on free school meals could perhaps suggest that there's an area of social disadvantage that all, that all the pupils in that school would have this additional funding for the teacher then to spend on areas where there it was felt a, there necessary. There is a piece of work going on at the moment within the yeah. department because uh, looking at in the UK in some areas it seems to have worked in other areas it doesn't seem to have worked and I'm not sure it whether depends it depends on how they've used it really exactly. and so I think we have to be clear on how we're going to use that money yeah. and I, I'm not sure pupil premium is is the right way to go extra funding i have no problem with but it has to be used in the right way okay um just another message in here the fact that this change is even going out for public consultation is a joke once those in the department have decided they are going to do something it will be done regardless of the consultation or what the political independents say with all due respect to mr lorry he is fooling himself if he thinks otherwise um a response to that uh, I'm not entirely sure what part of the bill uh, that comment's referring to, um, but I have quite a lot of input into getting the bill out there, and the idea behind the consultation is to get genuine feedback from people. If there's things in there that, that yeah, don't this look is like not they're going to work... Deal. No, but this we is a fundamental change, change in the way education is going to be no. provided on the Isle of Man. Do we need to have clear. a debate over where we want ed- how we want education to be let's delivered be in the future? Clear. This bill is not fundamentally changing the way education is provided on the Isle of Man. This bill is not making major, sweeping, broad changes to our education So it doesn't system. give more powers to the department and reduces the autonomy of head teachers no, to determine bill, the curriculum. This bill and is essentially placing on a statutory footing the way things work at the moment. So a lot of this stuff that the department does is done implemented through policy decisions. So we have, as already been referenced, we've got a special needs policy at the moment, mm. but we're not going to have a special needs policy going forward. We're going to have a statutory additional education needs code. So that's the kind of change this bill is going to bring in. Instead of just having something that the department can make up as it goes along with its policy, we're going to be placing in statute that we need to have an AEN code that is backed up by primary law. That is why this bill is out for consultation and we've heard that there needs to be more resourcing and better delivery of special educational support within schools and I completely Absolutely 100% agree. agree with that. Uh, you know, 
the guys do a fantastic job, but it is a difficult job for them to do. And yes, we can always do better. And that's the main purpose of some of the changes in these bill isn't isn't to change the landscape, isn't to fundamentally alter the way things happen. It's trying to say actually the way we do things at the moment needs to be better, and sometimes needs to be a bit more reinforced to make sure that it is being delivered properly. Who's we had a question. Who's we had a question place before. to identify that though, and to to utilise that funding? The schools them, as individuals themselves. Of course they are. And at the minute, it's centrally held all of that funding. Actually, so. no, that's no, not, that's that's not, not even not remotely true. All secondary no, schools have something called DFM, which is Delegated Financial Management. Sec- I'm not talking secondaries. I'm talking about all schools. And primary schools, and again, they're d- getting DFM in respect of special but, but needs. But they don't yeah. get special, special needs get funding hel- was held in the Department it's of Education. It's no longer going to be oh, well, No, but it is at the moment. I, I, no, it's not. It's in the just, process. Just on no, this, we've April. had a message in. Um, which end, phone number ending in 749 saying it's not acceptable for Laurie to state some of the services needed are not the responsibility of the Department of Education. It shouldn't have to be parents trying to get different departments to work together. Yeah, I, I agree. I and also, agree the, the number of children f- through Asperger's syndrome, special education needs, um, are being told that they don't qualify under the additional needs um, for certain conditions, and yet that child is not able to attend school, or the number of... There's, I think, there's, I'm getting I'm getting messages all the time. I think again about we need to be quite clear that the the aim of the department the, it is not a requirement that you have a diagnosis in order to receive education additional educational support. That is, people seem to think a lot of the time that because they don't have a particular uh, diagnosis or qualification that they don't get the support. The support should be assessed on the needs of that child, irrespective of whatever diagnosis they have or don't have. And I, I accept that is a, a challenge. At and do you think this is going to comply with the Equality Act? <laughs> I'd, I'm, I'd, I'd like to, to know exactly why you think it won't Doesn't comply it? with the Equality Act. Has the Equality um, in, Champion been involved in, in the drafting of this bill, or has it purely gone well, out to like, consultation like with, without? With every bill, there's impact assessments and, and all the rest of it done. And as and far I, as we're aware, we've been advised it does we comply. Been told, but I, I would like to t- find out why you who, think it won't who's comply. Who, who, be who's been working mainly on this, and have you actually been out and spoken to head teachers and schools, or have you only met with the unions and the officers at the department? Or have you, be, when, you've be, when you've been drafting this bill, where have you gone? Where have you gone to get your information? You, you said yourself that 12 months so, ago there was a a con- a that was draft a draft version. consultation. Yeah, a but draft since, of the entire since bill. that, so you've come back. So where have you been in that 12 months? I must interrupt. We've got under a minute to go until uh, the 2 o'clock news, so we're going to have to park this for another time. Just uh, finally, for the, from the political members for the Department of Education, where can people go to view this consultation and uh, find out more? It's on the consultation hub. Yeah, the consultation is on the consultation hub, along with the first consultation that was done on the major principles and the, the major changes that might be coming in the bill, uh, as well as a full copy of the bill. I think every single question in the consultation has a feedback text box as well, so it isn't just a yes/no response. Really, we are interested. I encourage in hearing people to so fill the boxes in as to yeah. why they're giving the answers. Go to that town. They are. That, that's more important than the yes/no answer. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed, Laurie Hooper, Anne Corlett, Julie Edge, and Daphne Kane, plus Aaron Ibanez, producer of this programme, and William King as well. Thank you very much indeed for your input. Take care. See you soon.